the podcast on the Sing Second Sports Network are a ProVision Advisors production. At ProVision Advisors, we specialize in strategic communication planning, execution, and coaching for senior-level leaders and communicators dedicated to achieving success. Visit ProVisionAdvisors.net to learn more. Welcome, everybody, to the one and only Navy Football Podcast, brought to you by New Day USA. I'm Bill Wagner. I've been covering Navy sports in some capacity for all 33 years that I've been with the Capitol newspaper in Annapolis, and I am now, for the last 10 years, have worked for the Baltimore Sun newspaper as well. I am joined by my co-hosts, two former Navy football greats. Both of them played in the NFL, record-setting quarterback Keenan Reynolds, and legendary fullback Eric Catani. This is our second season. We're happy to be back. We hope it's going to be another successful season. The pod was very well received last year. Navy fans loved it. Uh, These guys, Eric and Keenan, give great insight to the program because they were part of the program. And then we cannot forget the fourth member of our team, our producer, Chris Cervello. And another important topic that I want to mention, that our podcast is now part of the Sing Second Sports podcast programs. So you all that have been listening to Sing Second Sports, the popular podcast that covers all of Navy athletics, the Navy football podcast is now part of the team. We are one and the same. And a lot of our sponsors are with both programs. New Day USA, they were our alumni spotlight sponsor last year. That is Admiral Tom Lynch is the principal of New Day USA, which provides home loans and mortgages for veterans. And Tom Lynch, who was the great captain of the 1963 Navy football team, he loves the program so much that he stepped up and New Day USA is now the title sponsor of the Navy football podcast. And we're thrilled to announce that Academy Security, which is Navy football great Phil McConkie, star of the 1978 Holiday Bowl, the MVP of the Holiday Bowl, played in the NFL with the New York Giants, won a Super Bowl. Phil McConkie's company, Academy Security, is now our alumni spotlight segment sponsor. We're going to have Admiral Lynch on our first podcast when we preview the Delaware game, and then we'll have Phil McConkie serve as the second alumni spotlight subject for our second podcast the following week. So, guys, without further ado, right into it. Navy football, two straight losing seasons. Three of the last four seasons have been losing records. Uh, the one outlier in 2019 with Malcolm Perry running wild, Navy was 11-2, and won the Commander-in-Chief's Trophy, and also captured the Liberty Bowl. However, other than that, there's been three disappointing seasons. I will start both of you, weigh in. What does Navy have to do to turn things around? And do you think this is, I don't want to say make or break, but how crucial is it? I mean, one more losing season, I think panic buttons are going to start sounding in Ricketts Hall. Thanks, uh you know, Bill, for that. And I'm looking forward to, you know, since Stink Second Sports for taking us on. You know, that was a big move for them. I really appreciate that. Two losing seasons in a row is, you know, it was panic mode last year. But, you know, with the experience that these players have this year, like you're saying, Bill, you know, with the you know two safeties going out against Air Force and, you know, Coach Neiman talking about, you know, the, the players stepping up. Ty was beat up all season. I'm looking forward to this year. I think – you know, after like listening to coach talk about it, and I think he's back to his old ways of, you know, during COVID, 
they didn't really practice much. You know, last year they weren't really practicing as well. And now I was listening to him talk, and he's saying that, you know, these guys are pushing sleds in hot weather and they're throwing up. And he's, like, excited about it. He goes, this is back to Navy football. This is the grind. This is where we need to be, you know, back to the days when the you know, decade of dominance was there. So I'm excited for this season. And then these coaches know this as well. You know, this is a business. If you don't treat like a business, you have no business being here. So these coaches know, you know, very well that they need to win. And they're, I think they're excited coming off, you know, that Army-Navy victory. If we didn't win Army-Navy, I think things would have changed. I think it would have had a different taste in our mouths coming in this season. But with this and Delaware starting up, Delaware, you know, when we played them back when I was there, they had a guy named Joe Flacco, quarterback, and Omar Cuff. And I think the score was like 59 to 52. And it was probably the most highest scoring game since like probably 2002, whatever it was. So I'm excited for this year to start. I'm excited to see, you know, this new, uh, you know, this, this new fullbacks we're going to talk about later, the smaller, but, you know, not as big, but they want to get through the yards. So, Keenan, I'm excited to see what you get to say about this. Yeah, another another season Navy football. Um, like you said, Eric, thanks to uh, our our sponsors, Admiral Lynch, uh, Mr. McConkie. Appreciate you guys stepping up, uh, have relationships with both of them. So uh, it's great that they're getting involved with this. Very excited for year two. Um, it's nothing better than shooting a breeze about Navy football twice a week. So I'm looking forward to you know a, a better outcome this season than we saw last season. Um, to your point, Bill, three out of four years uh, we've had losing seasons. And I think the the common denominator of all that has been inconsistent quarterback play. If you look at uh, the year before Malcolm, the year after Malcolm, and then last year, the quarterback play was rocky at best. So what it's going to take this year to kind of get out of that hole, and I think everybody in the building is aware of, is consistent from the guy behind the center. Because it's kind of, as everyone knows, like the way the quarterback goes, that's the way that football goes. Um, I can't think of any season where we haven't had – a quarterback have a good, a great year that we've been good, you know, like I, I would struggle to find that maybe some Navy football historians could probably tell me, but I mean, it goes, if you go all the way back to 2011, you know what I'm saying? Always to now, like it's a very consistent pattern. So I think the pressure in the building kind of lies on tie. I mean, if we're being frank, he has to step up on that position, play to his strengths, take care of the football next to an offense. I mean, the formula is simple. It hasn't changed. It's been the same since football was invented, right? So um, the plays change, the schemes change, but the formula of success is all the same, right? Um, I think the coaching staff is very aware of, you know, the reality of the last four years. Um, it's it's abnormal. It's Army-like to be in this position. So uh, nice I Nice shot. Yeah, you know, we coming yeah, out the gate early. I like that one. You've been waiting to use that one, haven't you? We're coming out the gate early. You've been waiting to use that one. I, I still got like 180 days until that until we got a backup to smack talk. So um, I'm gonna let him fly since it's been a while since we've been on the on the podcast. But no, but seriously though, I mean I think the, the formula is simple, right? Ty's got to play well. That's it's as simple as that. I think Delaware is a great place to start. They started with Marshall last year, I think. Was it Marshall? Uh, yeah, BYU uh, before that. Not yeah. not happening. Not yeah, good last, Last two years, no. BYU was you know, a horrible opener. And then, and then last year, coming out of Marshall, uh, I think it was what game two or three at Air uh, against Air Force. So I mean, like, you don't really got a lot of time and get your stride. So hopefully, this year we get a good, you know, solid all around performance opening opening day, and then we can build on that going into league play. Well, so real quickly, I'm going to go back to what Eric talked about. The talking point for Coach Niamatololo is that in 2020 and 2021. Navy did not have a normal off-season preparation. And he's talking the winter conditioning and the spring camp 
all the way into summer conditioning into August camp. And so his talking point from day one has been, this has finally been a typical Navy offseason. We've done everything that we normally do. More than ever, the last two years, he realized that at a service academy, at Navy, it's a process and that there's they go A to Z. And he said that those 2020 and 21, they went, you know, S to Z. They skipped some letters. So that's his big talking point. But I agree with Keenan. And let's get right to that. You know, rushing as a whole. Navy ranked. They set a school record in 2019 when Malcolm went nuts. 360.5 yards per game. Ranked number one in the nation. Malcolm set the record for most rushing yards by a quarterback for FBS. The following year, 2020, disappointing season, Navy ranked 52nd in the nation in rushing, 177 yards a game. Keenan used to get that himself a game. And then last year, Navy ranked ninth, 225. But, I mean, ninth is decent, but that's not where Navy's been because I'm looking at numbers in the past. When Navy ranked number one in 2003, 323. When Navy ranked number one in 2007, 348. So Navy needs to be in the 300s or up around there in rushing numbers. And then if you go back to the quarterbacks, you know, Malcolm Perry rushed for over 2,000 yards. Keenan had rushing years of 1,400, 1,300, like stuff like that. The Navy quarterbacks have been combining for like 600 rushing yards because the last two years it's been Xavier and Ty or Xavier and Dalen Morris. I mean, so... I, I've been adding up their totals because I don't want to put it on one guy. But the bottom line is the quarterback has not been a rushing threat. And I write for Athlon's Magazine. I do their preview. And what Athlon's Magazine does is they ask an anonymous coach from the league to give a quote, a comment about the team that's being previewed. Well, here is the comment about Navy from an anonymous American Athletic Conference coach. He said, this that triple option is manageable when they do not have a dynamic runner at quarterback. And what they're basically, that's a shot at the tech quarterbacks of recent years that when they got a guy like Malcolm and you got to account for him, it's harder to nail down the fullback dive and the, and the slot back pitch. But when you don't worry about the quarterback, if you say the quarterback, all he's going to do is get two or three yards up the middle. He ain't going to hurt us then you can commit more to the pitch and the dive. And Keenan and I talked about this on the phone when we were talking last week. I already know, because Coach Jasper and Coach Niamh have told me, teams are not sending additional safeties up to support the run. They are basically keeping one safety back for play-action pass. So it's getting harder to throw the ball over the top with the play-action pass because they're keeping a safety back. They're not shooting what do they call it fire in the safety keenan is that what they used to call it but so if you can defend the option and keep a safety back to play the play action pass and the quarterback's not hurting you i guess it is easier to defend the option so let's get right to that keenan how important is it for ty lavatai and xavier because they're talking about having a an option package for xavier our line how important is it for the navy quarterbacks to become a running threat and force teams to have to respect them. Yeah, it's obviously a big deal, right? You talked about the safeties. Uh, you know, a lot of times, depending on if it's one or two high to safety, the safety is that kind of that X factor. So you have somebody that accounts for the the fullback, somebody that accounts for the pitch, somebody that accounts for the running back. 
And usually it's one of three guys doing a little bit of any, either of those responsibilities. So it's between a DN, uh, some sort of outside linebacker, and a safety will share those responsibilities in any order. So it could be, you know, DN is responsible for the fullback, and he or he's responsible for the quarterback, and the linebacker is responsible for the fullback, and they'll do stunts and twists. But a lot of times the safety has to get involved. So when teams stop bringing the safety, that means that they feel like their front seven can contain the option across from the quarterback to fullback in a pitch. They feel like they got enough speed. They feel like they have a good enough read on being able to contain the option. Now, the only other time that we saw like safety's not coming would be if the corner, they were playing two high safeties cover two and a corner was run support. That would be a time where the safeties wouldn't come. But we would we would take advantage of that with play action still. So if they're not getting they're not getting teams providing secondary help, that makes it really hard to call any sort of play action play because your 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 play action is schematically built based on secondary reactions. So if you can't defeat the run, like with their you can't defeat their front seven with our triple option, it's gonna be a long day because you can't throw the ball because they're just playing coverage. So you have to get those guys. We want you to cheat up. We want you to get your safeties involved trying to make tackles because then we can we can we can adjust off that throw play action. The only time where we've struggled when safeties are really aggressive is if you're playing a team like Ohio State or Notre Dame, where they're very disciplined, they have a lot of back end speed and they can recover for the play action. So you have a very small window at that point to make plays compared to playing like a, a Central Michigan, where if you beat a guy, you know, you throw in a 60 yard touchdown. So that's crucial, right? You want to be a threat at quarterback. You want to you want the triple to be a threat. So you have to establish that capability early on in the season, not just in the game, but in the season. Teams have to see, okay, these guys can run a triple to quarterback. He makes good reads. The quarterback is a threat. He might go for eight. He might go for 60 on us. We know we know Ty's not a speedster. He's not a slasher. But Will Worth wasn't a speedster or a slasher, and he had a, a hell of a year and and had, you know, a ton of touchdowns. So Zach so, AB, too. He was a similar roller. He rushed exactly. for 1,500 yards. Exactly. Ricky wasn't, Ricky wasn't a, a slasher. He was more of a power runner, and he was, you know, one of the most successful we've ever had. So – you don't have to be a Malcolm. You don't have to run like me. You just have to do you, and you have to do the best version of you and execute within an offense. And Coach Ashford and Coach Niamat are going to put Ty in a position to be successful based on his skill set. It's up to him to grasp that he's got to have over 1,000 this year. It, the quarterback has, hasn't, hasn't had over 1,000 from a single player since Malcolm. He's got to have at least 13 to 1,400 this year. I think that's like – the over-under on that will be like very, very strongly correlated to the over-under on uh, Navy's win total this year. Eric, I'm going to go to you for the next topic, the fullback. I get emails from Navy fans all the time. A lot of high-ranking admirals and other people who are diehard Navy fans, and they always want the inside scoop. And sometimes I have to say, uh, I'll be writing an article, Re read the paper. But nothing, no topic has come up more than the size of the fullbacks. And Navy lost its top two fullbacks, Isaac Rose and James Harris II. So two veteran guys, two seniors. They knew their assignments. They knew what to do. I think Isaac was probably about 215, 220 in that range. Harris was a little bit bigger. Um, Harris was the guy, was their primary blocker. He was did not get the credit he deserved as a lead blocker. Very, very effective. Well, the fullbacks this year, not only are they not experienced, have very, very little game experience, but they're not very big. The Current starter is Anton Hall Jr. He's a sophomore. He's five foot eight, one ninety eight. Now I interviewed Anton. He said, "Oh, I'm I'm over two hundred now." So he's heavier than that. He's not what is listed. Yeah. And then the the backup is Logan Point, 
another sophomore, 5'11", 211. So these are smaller guys. Now we've posited, why is this? And part of it is maybe they're not finding the 250-pound fullback that was similar to Kyle Echol, Eric Katani, Adam Ballard, the mold that Paul Johnson wanted. But also, I think they are running more zone blocking schemes where you don't want just a pile driver bruiser. You need a guy with some speed and moves, some quickness to make cuts inside. Um, I'm not a fullback. I've never played one on television. But so, Eric, you know better than me. But what's your take on this new style fullback, 5'8", 200? Yeah, it's a, it's a very good question. And then, Keenan, I think you're spot on with the over-under of yards that the quarterback has for wins. That's a very good, like, kind of way to put it. Like, if, if he's on track for, you know, 14, 1,500 yards, we're having a winning season versus, you know, the opposite. So I, I'm, I'm actually keeping track of that this season. But to your question, Bill, um, and I was thinking about myself, and I actually had mono – um, during Pleep Summer, I came into like Pleep Summer, like 225, like 230, ready to go. And then I had mono and I lost like 30 pounds. I came into, uh, you know, boot camp or, you know, or training camp at like 206. And I remember just getting absolutely smacked around. And not until like I think my sophomore year when I gained, you know, back the way 230, 240 to take those hits over and over and over, um, I didn't feel comfortable, you know. I felt like I, I was, I was going to move around too much. I wasn't be able to hold my, you know, the blocks or even just get through the hole better. So, but the new, the new option they're doing, it, it is more zone, but you know, five, eight, one ninety eight, you know, they need to prove me wrong. Um, you know, I'm used to, you know, if you can find a guy, recruit a guy that's six foot two twenty five and above that could shift and move, you know, two twenty five is not that big. Look at Derrick Henry. Look at these guys in, in the NFL now. They're, they're big boys. They're moving well. So I'm in the I'm in the old school fashion of if you could find a you know a player like Army has found a bunch of players right fullbacks that are that size that can move well and also block and, and get to the second level when they need to. So I'm I'm still in that notion. They need, they need to prove me wrong. Well, last season Army had three guys that were around 250 260. I don't know how well they moved. I mean yeah. they were Army's got a different style of offense. They're going cool quarterback fullback a lot of inside stuff and. They're fine with the fullback getting four and five and six yards. They don't. They're not. They don't care if he can break it. But it's yep. a different thing. But I agree. On the one hand, no matter how you slice it, the fullback lines up very close to the line of scrimmage. He's hitting it very quickly. And no matter, you can try to cut all you want, but eventually you're going to run into a big linebacker, and you got to have some power. And we also just mentioned blocking. The fullback is a critical blocker yep. in this offense. And if you're Got to take on a linebacker. You know, the, how many times did you do that, Eric? How many times did you have to go up against a 225-pound linebacker? Uh, when Ricky Dobbs was playing, he always pulled it, so I blocked every play. So that's a shot at Ricky if you're listening. Uh, but Kaipo and those other guys, they were, they were nicer. You know, they actually read the ball. They read the defense perfectly. So, but um, it, I don't know. I, two, 200 pounds for me, It's that's, that's not going to win it for me. But, hey, this year they might show up. But – the last couple of years, the guys weren't as big, and I didn't see long runs. I didn't see some breakaway. That's not even just them that, you know, you have to put it on right. Yes, they're hitting right, but it's also the slots I need to get in there to, to get the blocks. The linemen need to get get the, the uh, double teams and compounds up. Then more importantly, to make big runs, you need your receivers getting downfield and holding those blocks. So it's not just a fullback that you've got to put the onus on. 
it's everybody else. And it's also the onus of the quarterback saying he's deadly, right? If he pulls the ball and that guy waits a second, that's a linebacker because he's, he's more worried about the quarterback than you. Now you actually have that slot and in inside to actually get that, that you know, to get the speed going. So, well, before I talk a little bit about the slots, because I'm hearing a lot of good things about the slots, I think Navy's got more speed. That's what I'm being told. More speed than ever at slot back position. Real quickly on for last for Keenan on this Xavier package. Uh, going into the Army game, they talked about having a Xavier package. He came in on the second play of the game and he ran a kind of a quarterback draw. I think I believe that what is what it was. What do you think of a package? I asked Ty, you okay with that? And he goes, Yeah, whatever will help us win. I'm not, it's not about me and my statistics. But I mean, I guess they're saying they know that Ty is a between the tackles power runner, and Xavier brings a different element. He's an ex, he's a kind of a change of pace quarterback, if you will. What do you think of a, having a quarterback come in who runs a special package designed to take advantage of his abilities, which are change of direction, quickness, that kind of thing? Yeah, I'm going to be honest. If uh, Coach Desperate came to me and said they were putting a package over somebody else, I'd probably have been like, hell no. Whatever they you think he can do, I can do. But uh, that's just that's just kind of how I am. Uh, maybe that's, <laughs> that may come off as selfish. And, uh, you know, if it is, I apologize, Coach. Um, and so Tyrus said the right thing. I'm not, I'm not like giving him heat for that. He definitely said the right things. I'm sure like competitively he would want to be there every single play. Um, my view on like the package thing, it's a, it's, 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 it's kind of interesting because like the first time you roll it out after that, everybody's going to be prepping for it. So like it kind of loses this element of surprise. So then you kind of have to have some sort of variety on the plays that you run when you bring in this new package. Cause like if every time you bring, Xavier in, you run the same like three or four plays, like people gonna catch on that pretty fast. So I think it it could work, but you like there, I, I don't see a point of pulling it out against Delaware. Like that's something you pull out when you need to win a game. Like I I wouldn't make that a a regular part of my offense unless I felt like this particular team is is vulnerable to these types of plays. So we should run this package against this team. So like that that's why I feel on that because if you just bring it out every game in certain like people will scheme, scheme out like okay. Certain parts of the field, certain times of the game, uh, certain downs and distances, all of that uh, makes a difference. And then at the same time, if you look at this from like Xavier's point of view, right, he's on the sideline, he's, he's cold, he has no momentum, and you're saying, oh, hey, X, go in and run these plays. And, and by the way, like make something happen. Well, like most people are rhythm players. Like it's really hard for somebody to come cold off the bench and then break one for 60. It's definitely been done, but, you know, I think that, some players need a couple of plays to kind of get the floor of the game to feel, get their confidence going. And if you've been on the sideline for 30, 40 plays and then they throw you in and say, make a play, that that becomes a problem. Or if the offense is stalling and you say, hey, we're going to do this package because we need a spark, that just puts that other guy in a tough position because now you're leaning on him to be successful. So I think there's a delicate balance that I'm sure that has been talked about in, in the staff room about how do we deploy this effectively. But Coming from like myself, like I would not want to be in a in like a rotating type of situation. And then at the same time, if that's what we're gonna do, like it, it just has to be game plan really well, which I know they're gonna be thinking about. Um, but I mean it's a lot more complexity in it than just say, hey, go run this zone replay, you know, because people catch on to that, people scheme that up, they'll be ready. Like soon as as soon as Xavier runs in, they'll be like, he's gonna run it. Like they're gonna be keyed on him, right? So what are you gonna do to take advantage of that of that scenario? And then Keenan, just like a small like, little like detail, like especially for triple option quarterback, is that exchange with the center. Yeah. Yeah. Right. You know, it's not like the NFL, like, you know, you, you bring like, you know, the Saints just switched up sometimes. But it's, you know, 
and he's not our center. It's just a you know a little snapback, and it's easy. I, I remember when different quarterbacks came in, it was not just adjusting with the center. It was also like, hey, this guy's feet don't move back as far. I need to change my path a little bit. That stuff that like you know as a player, like the small stuff, like like I remember like one quarterback, Kaipo was was way more deep. He got the ball, he brought the ball all the way back. Versus Ricky was short handed, so I was you know different stuff yeah. like that. You always you know be considered. Sure. I had multiple centers that I had to adjust my hands uh, playing with these different centers. Like depending on who was on, I had to put my hands in certain places. Uh, yeah. Multiple B backs have different. They all have different tracks. Like there is a like a right track, but nobody runs that perfectly. Everybody does it differently. So some people are wider, some people are tighter than others. So you have to know who your personnel is because if I think you're going to be tight, so I mesh, like for instance, Noah and Q Singleton all had different, they both had different tracks. Q was a little bit wider than Noah. So if Q was in a game and I didn't realize it and I thought, and I tried to do the same steps that I would do hand the ball off to Noah, it's very well, like it could be a fumble just because it's just different. So I suspect they'll probably have X in the gun. But either way it goes, there's going to be some sort of like option mesh going on. And if you yeah. haven't been working that, uh, but only a few plays out of practice or in warmups, and then they come off the bench and try to like cold start. I mean, that's going to be tough. Like, you know, I, we'll see how it shakes out. And like, I'm sure, like I said, I'm sure that they don't just haphazardly just put this together and throw it out in a game scenario. To be honest with you, knowing Coach Nehemiah, um, if the game is going relatively well, I don't see him pulling it out. I think this is like a... Uh, a Houston, a uh, a Memphis Air Force, uh, Air Force Army type of thing. Like these are the teams that we historically have had to grind it out with to move the ball. Those are the teams that he's going to be more willing to deploy some type of difference. That's just from my experience. But like if we're running our base stuff against you know SMU or or even these other teams, if if the triple is working, I can guarantee you that we're not going to pick up and just throw in a new package. Right? It's feast or famine. And if we're if we're eating, why would you change it? Stop it, you know. Well, really quick, let me talk about some other offensive elements because I want to talk about defense. Can't leave out defense. I would just say that the offensive line is crucial as well. Last year, there were eleven different offensive line starting combinations. Just guys going in and out, injuries, changes, guys moving from different positions. This year, the starting lineup as it stands now: left tackle Jamie Romo, who's a local Annapolis guy, is. Grandfather was the great Russ, uh, Russ Romo. Uh, I'm sorry, Red Romo. Red Romo. His his son, his father is Rusty Romo that owns Harry Browns. Um, Josh Pena saw a lot of time last year. New center, sophomore David Hickson. The the bell cow of the group is Kip Franklin. He's the senior. He's a captain. He's the only lineman that posted every game last year. He's made all all twelve starts. So Franklin's your bell cow. And then they got a really big boy at right guard, Lirion Mertesi. 6'3", 328. Now, the good news about so many different offensive line combinations is that that means there's now like two guys at every position that have actually played. So let's hope the offensive line has more stability, can build some chemistry, because we know how important that is. Offensive line play was probably the main reason why Navy set a rushing record, a single-season school rushing record in 2019. That offensive line, every one of those guys started almost every game. They were outstanding. And I'll just mention the slotbacks. I'm hearing a lot of positive things about slotbacks. A lot of speed, a lot of playmakers. Mikel Haywood, who we all remember last year as being the dangerous kickoff returner, uh, put up one of the highest single-season averages in Navy history for, for kickoff return average. He's listed as a starter. Vincent Terrell, the second 
who was the Admiral Mack Award winner as the most improved player in spring camp. He's listed as starter. Daniel Jones, who was injury plagued last year, but we have been hearing about him for several years as being the fastest player on the team, a sprinter speed type guy. And then Kai Puyaloha Rojas, which I hope I pronounced that right because it's not easy. That's as tough as Kaipanoa, Kayaku, and Hato. But Kai, if you remember last year, emerged as a playmaker. Every time he got the ball in his hands, he was getting first down. So Kai's a player. He actually spent the spring playing quarterback. So he learned the offense a lot better by playing quarterback, but he's back at slot. So I feel there's some talent at slot back as well, and I'm hoping we see more production there. Now, defense, guys, Brian Newberry has received universal praise since coming aboard as defensive coordinator. He's done exactly what Coach Nehemiah hired him to do. He's unpredictable. He's aggressive. That's what Coach Nehemiah wanted to do, wanted to shake things up and have Navy be, you know, on the attack mode, not, you know, sit back, uh, that type of thing. He wants blitzing. He wants unpredictability, that kind of stuff. And Coach Newberry's done that last year. He unve- he unveiled his, what I guess it was the 3-3-4 uh, uh, three, three, whatever. He, he had four D-backs, two high safeties, was a new alignment he unveiled against Houston and used in some other games. That was pretty innovative. He's done a lot of that type of stuff. Um, last year, Navy had injuries galore on defense and turnover, and they played a lot of guys. But the good news is that means I counted it up for an article I wrote about the defense. I think there's like 16 players that saw significant action on defense last year. I think they have a total of like nine or 10 that started at least one game. So what's your thought on defense? Or, or do you feel like the defense will be getting the job done and that that should not be a concern that the key to winning season is whether the offense performs? Yeah, I feel like the defense has been probably the most consistent over the last few years uh, since we brought in Coach Newberry, um, to your point, um, some of the things he's done. And so, uh, you know, I think how can they continue to stay healthy will be the big question this year. You know, as you pointed out, they rotated a lot of players last year. But uh, this, I mean, you that's obviously like not the most optimal scenario. So you want to be, I, I'm curious to know like how healthy they are coming out of camp. And then how healthy they are, you know, game one, two, three, four. And just hoping that some of the leadership and some of the more um, like cornerstone pieces on the defensive side of the ball can stay healthy. Because we talked about, you know, Eric brought it up briefly about the Air Force game. We missed a, we, were miss, we were down a safety. We lost a safety during the game. So it's just little things like that really chip away at the capability of the defense when you got great strategy, you got great scheme, and you got players that can execute that scheme. But then it I mean, you can only lose so many before it starts to affect the performance because you're playing a bunch of new guys who may not be quite ready to step into that role. I, uh, thoughts? Defense has always been the strongest in the past couple of years. Um, you know, Diego leaving, uh, that's, you know, he's the X Factor. He's, he's a player all around. And I saw he actually passed a jersey along. Is that correct, Bill? Will Harbor is now wearing number 54. Apparently, unbeknownst to me, Tyler Heflin had handed 54 down to Diego. So yep. Diego's kind of continuing a new tradition. He handed it down to Will Harbor, who's built very Diego-like. He's 6'1", 230, and he'll be playing that Mike Will inside linebacker position. He's one of the guys. Will Harbor was a starter last season alongside Diego, but he's one of the guys that got hurt and didn't play most the whole season. So looking yep. for a big season out of Will Harbor. 
I'll say I'm not getting the 19 jersey, but that one's uh, has retired, right, Keenan? <laughs> it's all good, buddy. You're amazing. Um, defense is, you know, it's something that I like to see at the beginning of the year and watch and see them develop. Because um, last year, though, they had glimpses of, of very, very good, and they had glimpses of just bad. So, and also, one of the things that we don't normally talk about is special teams. For Navy, if we could be very good at special teams and control the field advantage and make those even like, let's say if offense is not clicking, but the field goal kickers is, is spot on for 45 in, having those three points is crucial, especially when we're, we're trying to control the ball and control the time and possession of that nature. So I'm looking forward to all, all aspects of the game. Well, I'm glad you brought that up because Navy does have an outstanding kicker in Bijan Nichols, which Nichols. another yep. oddity, he's a captain. I saw um, that for him. They, they could only go back they, – they had to go back to something like 1920 when there was a punter was a captain. That's the last time a specialist was a captain. But he's very well respected. He's a four-year starter. He's kicked a lot of game-winning field goals. Yeah. Um, and I think the punter, Riley Reithman, showed at the end of last season he was pretty solid. The problem last season was that Navy had so many special teams breakdowns, blocked kicks, blocked oh, punts. Game, first six games. We, we lost games because of that. Yeah, they were losing games to due to special team blunders. And that's what Coach Niamat said. Usually you might have two of those a season. And last year, Navy had like six and seven. So it is absolutely crucial that they are solid on special teams. Keenan, Do they have a full-time special teams coach? Because if I remember correctly, uh, most position coaches share responsibilities for different like offense coach with some sort of offense special teams and vice versa. Is that still the case or did they hire like a full-time coach? Well, that? at, uh, one of the byproducts of all the special team blunders last year was that about midway through the season, they put Joe Coniglio in charge of special teams. And he, that is still the case. He's still coaching the strikers and Raiders, but he's also kind of in charge of special teams. Now they, they do still do what you're talking about and have individual assistants in charge of, Kickoff, return, kickoff, punt, return, punt, uh, field goal, yeah. but there is now one guy overseeing it, making sure things are right, which may have been a problem in the past is that there was no overall coordinator overseeing things. So hopefully that change will be for the better. Yeah, I think personally uh, they should probably model the league in that respect and have a like dedicated special teams coach that coaches all four phases and it only do and only does uh, like I, that thing. I agree. You need to have one, and then you also need a assistant to help out too. Like because exactly, like, like it's especially in it's hard. You have to know the entire football team. You know, you don't just need to know one position. You got to say, hey, this guy is, is long, lengthy here. This guy would be phenomenal on punt. This guy is quicker and fast. He's better, he's better on punt return. He can yeah. move his hips over here, put him on kickoff return. It, it's it's a lot of work. Yeah, a lot so of time needs to go into it. Exactly. So if you're sharing that responsibility, which you're you're trying to game plan for an entire for a, a game, you're trying to coach up your guys. And then, oh, by the way, I got to watch extra special teams film. Like that's a lot to put on a coach. It's already hard enough to just coach your position to be successful at it. So then we start adding these elements of special teams. I think it 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 may inadvertently just it kind of takes a backseat to your primary position. So I think that might be something that the the Navy should the Navy should take a take a look at in the next, you know, the coming years, if able, is like let's let's get a dedicated special teams coach and assistant special teams coach to take over the entire process, top to bottom. So our, our position coaches can just focus on what we do. And then you can still have them come in and like help 
and, you know, coach up and like be a part of the process. But you have one or two coaches that lead the entire thing top to bottom. Well, guys, great discussion. Great way to kick off the season. We want to thank Chris Cervello, who is our special secret agent behind the glass. He's the one that puts this podcast together and makes sure it sounds right. Great start to the season. It was good discussion on all fronts. We will be back the week of the opener to dial down a little more on Delaware game and bring you up to the latest news of Navy football going into the season opener on September 3rd at Navy Marine Corps Memorial Stadium. Thanks so much for joining us. Thanks to our sponsors, New Day USA and Academy Security. This is the season preview for Navy football podcast. Thank you for listening. All right, Navy fans, join us for what will be another great football season at Navy Marine Corps Memorial Stadium. The Navy football season kicks off September 3rd, as we uh, talked about in the open, against Delaware. That game begins at noon. And for tickets, call 1-800-US-4-NAVY or visit NavySports.com. We hope to see you there.